1: Hello and welcome to the Giants Splash Podcast, the podcast of the Giants in Major League Baseball from the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm your host, Chronicle Giants beat writer Susan Slusser, and our guest today is Giants, team president of baseball operations going into his third season uh, in that position, Farhan Zaidi. Farhan, I've known you for a very long time, um, dating back to when you very first started in uh, the Major Leagues with the A's. And when you first got this job, with the Giants, I got texts from everyone saying, um, basically I think the Giants are now going to be a lot better a lot sooner uh, than people maybe expect and that looks like maybe that's the case uh, what are your, you know what are your thoughts on the fact that you've right now got a first place team and here we are it's June
0: yeah I mean uh, that's really nice that people to do have done, but um, you know at the end of the day it's it's you know a huge group and organizational effort and to get to the point where we are in the season with still 100 games to go we've had to have a lot of things go right a lot of players play well and a lot of people contribute so definitely not resting on our laurels no there's there's a long way to go and and this game can really humble you certainly after you know just a good 60 games so you know we're keeping our heads down and you know going to continue to grind but obviously really excited about how things have come together for us so far this season
1: is this maybe um a little bit sooner than expected and you know you guys are playing in perhaps the toughest division in baseball too I I think you know going into the season I don't think people necessarily thought that you guys had a team that was a last place team or anything but people would look at the NL West and say well the Dodgers and the Padres are both loaded
0: yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think you you you've covered uh, different teams and front offices, and so you you know that every front office is prone to think uh, their team is maybe a little bit better and a little more competitive than somebody from the outside looking at it objectively might think. But I look back on our last three years, and you know, we've been a competitive team. In 2019, uh, you know, we were winning four games of a wild card spot at the trade deadline, and. Faced some difficult decisions, traded away a couple of pen pieces because we thought we had the ability to backfill. And, you know, unfortunately, things didn't go uh, break right for us the rest of that season. And then last year, obviously, you know, really just uh, one pitch away from, from making the playoffs, albeit in an expanded field. So we've talked about trying to get better every season. So we went into this year with every expectation of of being competitive now i don't think any of us were predicting we'd have you know the best record in baseball um but uh you know there, there's always some variability nobody can predict exactly what's going to happen and uh you know funny enough kind of talking about me coming up with the a's and, and and billy bean um you know really for me the philosophy of trying to put together a competitive team every year I was heavily influenced by my time working under him and you know just this notion that the present matters you know sometimes you come into an organization or a situation that's in transition and everybody's looking two years five years down the road and you just can't lose sight of the fact that the present matters you have fans that are following the team today that you know want to see a compelling product and uh A baseball team, you know, it's 26 players. There's a lot of ways to improve your team and to create uh, a more competitive roster. And, you know, that's something we've really been focused on the last few years. And again, you know, the credit is really to the players. We've had so many guys step up and be really productive this year. But, you know, hopefully some of that is a reflection of our organizational philosophy to just not mail in any season.
1: Yeah, I I mean, coming from the A's, uh, obviously the the philosophy there and Moneyball is sort of winning in the margins, right? You know, picking, you know, maybe the overlooked pieces and uh, every little move can help you. Um, this year, that has come into play more than ever. You guys aren't alone in having a packed IL. Of course, um, injuries seem rampant across the game right now, and we could spend probably a next half hour talking about the reasons why, so let's not. But you <coughs> currently have 15 men on the IL um, and yet have the best record in baseball. That's extraordinary. And it's not like this is just a new thing. You guys have had major pieces on the IL uh essentially at every point throughout the season, um, you know, kind of coming and going. But fifteen is extraordinary. Um, how much does this speak to the depth? And um yes, it is guys who are performing and maybe in some cases performing over expectations, but also you know, these were very savvy moves by the front office.
0: Yeah, I, I think we went into this season viewing depth not as a strategy but as a sort of necessity, you know, just knowing that we are coming off a 60-game season and not knowing how things might play out over, you know, a full six-month schedule. So for us, uh, I mean, to your point, it's been way more than anticipated. I mean, the interesting thing is uh, I think people were really expecting as we got deeper into the season, you'd start seeing injuries because guys were maybe acclimated to the 60-game schedule. And we're just at the 60-game mark now. <laughs> You're already seeing a lot more injuries and again like you said they're really interesting theories about that i've heard some of our trainers and others talk about just the stress of the pandemic you know the personal yeah. stress that that's put on guys and guys bodies are tighter i mean i'm i'm you know uh you know, about as far removed from the field as you can be and you know i've had some physical issues i think just from the stress of the p- pandemic so yeah. you can understand athletes performing at the highest level um being in that situation but Again, it's just a credit to the guys that have been ready to step out. I mean, so disappointing. You really feel for guys that have these injuries. I mean, the Longoria injury over the weekend was so tough to see. But, you know, you try to look at the flip side of the coin that it creates opportunities for other guys. And so far, we've had guys step up in a really nice way.
1: Yeah. Now, Obviously, we can't get into all the players that you guys have acquired who have have stepped up because there have been so many of them. It seems like it's a different guy almost every night who comes through in a big situation. Um, But in general, and you don't have to give away, like, necessarily trade secrets. Some of this stuff is pretty obvious, I think. But what do you look for when you're looking for Guys for depth or, you know, maybe to contribute for you in a year or two down the line, you know, your six 6 year minor league free agents or maybe players from other teams who have been pushed down depth charts and might be available, you know, your kind of classic foray players who may be available on waivers. It seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, just kind of in general. I, I and mean, everyone knows on-base percentage and and good at-bats are are key for you guys. Defensive flexibility seems to also be something um, that a lot of teams value, and you guys seem to to certainly have stockpiled a lot of that, thankfully, which which works pretty well when you've got such a packed uh, IL. And then with the pitchers, yeah, uh, we've certainly seen uh, the strikeout walk ratio as being something that that you guys. Um, value, which, you know, again, you're not alone in any of those things, but um, are are there specific things you target? Is it much more advanced than kind of as, as, you know, I'm simplifying it maybe a little too much?
0: Yeah, I think you pretty much covered it. I think the two sort of um, most exemplary sort of uh, signings for us, acquisitions this offseason that demonstrate our philosophy were Tommy Listell and Jake McGee, who, to your point, You know, Tommy had 27 walks and 12 strikeouts last year, uh, and having that kind of plate discipline in our lineup is uh, something we value really highly, and we also believe that as you move your way through the minor leagues, uh, guys, you know, that's kind of one of the skills that plays best as you work your way through the minor leagues and face tougher and tougher pitching. If you can have quality at-bats, you know, that carries over maybe a little bit more than something like raw power might, because... You know, if you're facing tougher pitching, <laughs> don't make contact that raw juice isn't going to help you a lot. So and then on the pitching side, same thing, kind of the strikeout to walk ratio guys that really pound the zone. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, again, thinking back to the A's and a little bit of Moneyball 1.0, there was a very strong emphasis on those things on base percentage walk strikeout ratio. Um you know, now as we've gotten more advanced information, we've gotten Statcast cast data, there's been a little bit of a trend towards hitters that, um, you know, have good exit velocity and, you know, in some cases looking at the trajectory of balls that they hit. And on the pitching side, obviously, people really dig deep into the pitch characteristics. And you sort of wonder what that's done to the marketplace in terms of valuing some of those more fundamental metrics like, you know, walks and strikeouts. So like every team, I think we're trying to balance those things and, and, and make sure that as more information is available, uh, we're sticking to our principles and, and obviously controlling the zone, both for hitters and pitchers, is something we value highly.
1: Well, it's interesting you use the word sticking because that's my next question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Pitch shapes um, have been such a hot topic here. And for you guys, you know, bringing in guys that you feel you can help, you know, maybe they have a one special pitch. They just need to hone a little bit. This crackdown um, that we are now anticipating with uh, pitchers using foreign substances on the ball, uh, I think is, is probably, you know, it seems like it's gaining momentum. It's been the hot topic um there seems to be a feeling that an awful lot of guys are using something um that that maybe has not um been prescribed by the league could this change everyone's i'm not just i'm not pointing fingers at you guys i'm not pointing fingers at any particular pitchers at all but could this kind of change the thinking from front offices when you look at pitchers maybe not knowing um you know how things might translate in the future when you're looking at either pitch shapes or or you know past results
0: Yeah, it's a really good question, and I I know people have brought this up, Um, you know, again, it's hard to know exactly what's going on, even with your own pitchers, just to be totally candid, but certainly when you're looking at pitchers on other teams, you really have very little idea of what that situation might be, and I think people have mentioned that it's going to lend itself to an interesting trade deadline, because you have... This dynamic that's floating out there, and uh, I think, like like everybody, we 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 believe this is a really good thing for the league to legislate this more strictly. Because at the end of the day, everybody just wants to feel like they're competing on a level playing field. And so, I, I think if there's a, a path for us to kind of root this out of the game, that's a really good thing that we are completely in on. But uh, it, it it could lend itself to some performance variability, and if you're in the market for pitching you're going to have those questions about um you know if you start seeing those fluctuations what might be going on in terms of of, of substances and, and that changing dynamics so it is going to lend itself to a really interesting summer both in terms of you know how the pitcher hitter balance might shift but also how people are going to evaluate pitchers who are out there in the trade market
1: yeah, do you have, like, a bunch of analysts now basically looking at everybody's spin rate over the last couple of years and looking for, like, huge differences?
0: Yeah, it's, it's so fundamental to uh, how every front office evaluates pitchers that that's already something that's,
1: already know. Um, you know, being
0: monitored. But, but to your point, uh, you're not expecting drastic changes in that, you know, you're looking at maybe rolling averages and things like that. And, and now you may almost have to start looking at it from appearance to appearance and, and look for, you know, any significant changes there.
1: Are you, are you guys telling your own pitchers anything like, like, look, hey, whatever, if you're doing anything, knock it off, or be more careful, or is there any sort of... Or you just kind of assume guys know. No. How is that being handled internally?
0: Yeah, as we're getting more information, we're just going to pass it along to the players and say, you know, th- these are the things that the league is looking to legislate. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think the league's uh, main uh, goal is to create an environment where there's a sufficient deterrent. I don't think they're looking to sort of catch people as much as they're looking to just er- eradicate, you know, any of this from the game and just the suspicion from the game. Like with some of the things that have happened in the past, uh, you know, how much this impacts the game, I don't really know, but just having that cloud hanging over the game in competition is just bad for the game. It's bad publicity and, um, you know, it creates questions among players of, about whether they're competing on a level playing field so just communicating that information i really think the entire industry is on the same page and now it's just a matter of coordinating and, and executing
1: we'll be back with more with giants team president of baseball operations farhan zaidi in just one moment but a reminder you can find all of the chronicles at giants and major league baseball coverage at www.sfchronicle.com and to subscribe Well, you mentioned the trade deadline. Obviously, you knew this question was coming. Uh, It's moved (laughs) (laughs) moved up a a month. It's uh, at the end of next month. Um, How much does that change the dynamic, the fact that it is earlier? Um, And how do you kind of target guys when it is, you know, uh, basically halfway through the season instead of um, a little bit on the later side?
0: You know, this was another kind of Billy thing, and I know other people said it too. You sort of, The first couple months of the season you spend evaluating your team and 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 then you know you spend the next couple months um you know kind of making adjustments to the roster and then you're kind of in the stress drive where you kind of just have to let the guys go uh you know it's funny from a front office standpoint not that you don't have other things to do after the trade deadline but um you know a lot of front office people have a certain restlessness trying to look for ways to improve the roster and once the trade deadline's (laughs) passed You know those opportunities are a lot more limited. It's a little bit of a helpless feeling. But one of the things we've tried to do early on is really look inwards. We, you know, built up a lot of depth in the off season because we saw a lot of the attrition potentially coming. Certainly not at the level that it's come at. But even when you look at the bullpen, uh, you know, some of the improvements in our bullpen performance have kind of come from within. Uh, guys like Zach Littell and Dominic Leone and and Connor Menez coming up and and doing a really nice job for us. So, um, you know, we're still kind of in that phase where we've got uh, some guys in AAA that we think can really help us both position players and pitchers. And we want to make sure that we give those guys an opportunity before we go outside the organization. I think it's just really important for morale when guys have earned that opportunity. So we're still sort of at the phase where we're evaluating what we have internally, but we're going to start uh, looking outwards as well. And those conversations, I expect, will pick up over the next few weeks.
1: How much leeway do you have to add, um, both from a financial standpoint and from, you know, what you might be willing to give up, um, you know, among some of maybe your better prospects?
0: Yeah, it it just always winds up being a, a sort of uh, question of, of 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 value and need Um, you know the, the greater your need the the more you may have to dip into that and, and and do something that's uncomfortable Um, you know we certainly have financial flexibility to work with we have a great ownership group that's you know never given us a sort of hard salary number uh, and obviously they're really excited about how the team is playing and and if there's an opportunity to add payroll in a way that we think meaningfully improves our chances I think they will be all in favor of that Uh, but to your point the the question for us is going to become whether we want to dip into our farm system for you know a a rental reliever or something like that we've obviously worked really hard to improve our farm system and and the long-term outlook and again some of it is going to be A question of making sure we vet out all our internal options you know when you look at the reliever market it's really dangerous to chase results in the reliever market just because you're dealing with small samples um, you know even over the course of a whole season you know reliever performance bounce around from from year to year and when you're looking at a half season it's even more dangerous so You know, you you really have to feel good about the player, the underlying characteristics and the future performance uh, to pay a premium in that market. So those are going to be some of the questions we talk about and think about leading up to the deadline.
1: Uh, Just kind of spitballing here for (laughs) lack of a better word. Sorry. Um, But (laughs) looking at your rotation next year, uh, right now, only. Uh, One guy is actually under team control. You do have the option on Cueto, but Logan Webb, um, who is one of the guys on the IL, is the only one who's guaranteed to return. Um, Is there, you know, the potential scenario, how attractive might it be in which maybe you can acquire a starter who would have team control beyond this year? Is that something that you might be actively considering or looking at when the time comes? And, And honestly, it might be something you might have been considering no matter what position the team was in, I would guess.
0: Yeah, I know there's a lot of of concern about the rotation. I mean, you know, one, um, you know, key uh, thing to keep in mind there is uh, these guys are going to be free agents, but they're very happy here. They're performing well here and we're going to have a need. So I'm sure those conversations are going to happen at some point. You know, it's always preferable when you're in the trade market to acquire a player who's not a rental that you have some future control over. And to your point, uh, in the starting pitching area, uh, you know, other than Logan Webb, uh, you know, Tyler Dee, who's sort of working his way back from injury, and and maybe Sammy Locke now, too, after his performance yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, Sammy. So, um, you know, you always want to feel like you have those kind of homegrown internal options, but... Uh, I expect us to be active in that market this offseason, even if it's just uh, retaining some of the guys that we signed last off season who's done who have done really nice job for us. Um, but I think that's fair that if we go into that market, um, you know uh, you're always gonna like having kind of you know future club control over any player that you trade for. but it, but again, I mean, if the right rental starter is out there, and we feel like the deal makes sense. I don't think that's going to stop us from pushing the button.
1: Uh, you mentioned potential guys to have talks with who might come back. I, you, know, you, you inherited a lot of big contracts and, and some big names. Uh, some of those guys are the guys that are actually you know, pushing what this team has done more than anyone else, especially with you know Crawford and Posey, two guys who are very near and dear to Giants fans' hearts. Um, and at Posey's, there's there's a big option on. Crawford obviously will be a free agent. There are an awful lot of very attractive shortstop free agents out there. Um, but does their performance uh, and their age, how, mu- how much do those things potentially change your thinking about whether you might consider bringing guys like that back? Both of them have been very strong about saying they'd love to finish their careers. With the Giants, um, you know, I, you haven't started talks, to my knowledge, with either one of them. But, um, you know, that that seems like that could be a tricky situation or, you know, honestly, maybe a really good situation with two guys that want to come back and really are performing about as well as they ever have.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the performance has been, you know, fantastic. You, you look at that veteran group and they really have driven the team performance this year it's really not that much of a surprise you look at the way buster was swinging the bat in spring training of 2020 before opting out and a lot of people thought that he was on his way back to kind of being vintage buster and and we've seen a lot of that this year belt and crawford both had really good seasons for us in 2020 your belt had huge numbers Cry was maybe a little bit under the radar, but, you know, he had one of his best offensive seasons in 2020 and, and you know, has taken another step forward. So, you know, a couple of things as we get deeper into the season and as, you know, I think we will start having those conversations. One is, you know, back to what we talked about earlier, the present matters and these guys are really important pieces of a team that's playing really well right now and, you know, that feeds into this notion that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk of of these guys' contract status and what might happen, um, you know, when their contracts are up. But, you know, our goal, you know, in my time here has always been to, to field a competitive team. And while I think a lot of focus has been on what might happen again three years from now, four years from now um you know for us it's always been about surrounding these guys with the best possible roster so we could uh, compete uh, to get into the playoffs and um and and, and just be a competitive team so again I, I think we will wind up having those talks we're not you know fixated on on turning over a roster that's playing well so i think there's a little bit of a misconception about that um but obviously you know we've talked about i've talked about it since i got here we want Players in Giants uniforms who want to be here, who it means something to to be Giants. That's why we've had such a you know local focus in a lot of our player acquisitions, players from the Bay Area, and certainly guys that have been around for as long as these guys have and love being Giants. That's really going to factor very significantly into our decisions.
1: Oh, that's great to hear. It's, so it's not just a we're we're getting rid of a lot of big contracts and shedding contracts no matter what. This is is something potentially that's doable and that the team might sure at least is very open to doing.
0: Yeah. Again, yeah. it's very early. These guys I'm sure are going to want to look at their options. Um, you know, uh, a lot of it for us really depends on, on how the rest of the season goes. I mean, you know, we talk about if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, if we can continue playing well, then I think there's a much greater impetus to kind of just keeping the group together rather than looking for ways to, to upgrade. But, uh, again, I, I think we're, we're open to everything. I think we've shown that this is not sort of a traditional, typical situation of a team in transition or looking to rebuild. We're, we're kind of trying to continue to compete while, creating a more sustainable future for ourselves and so uh, you know a lot of things go into balancing those two and we we can't leave any options off the table
1: that's excellent Um, before i let you go we have to talk very quickly about the upcoming draft um obviously Mm -hmm. it's a little later um, it's, it's a shorter draft with just the 20 rounds um, and, and it's unusual because obviously so many of the players high school and college um, didn't get to play full seasons last year had shortened seasons this year how how tricky is it what's the talent level um, and and could it potentially be a lot more college players based based on some of the um, you know the, just the fact that some of the high school kids just haven't played very much
0: yeah, I mean, it, it feels really back to normal compared to last year. That was you know, a really strange draft situation because you had very, very limited um, looks at guys. And, um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the conversations last year in the draft room wound up really being about, you know, overall philosophy and, and kind of history with players rather than what they did that season. I mean, you look at the starting pitchers in the 2020 draft, a lot of them made like four starts before getting shut down so this has been a little bit more like a typical draft in terms of getting multiple looks at guys our scouts like all team scouts have been out there seeing players from a front office standpoint i actually haven't uh gone out at all which is sort of uh, been a change from the last couple of years and a big change from my days with the a's when you know billy and david let me go around and actually see a lot of players but um so that that may be an interesting dynamic that we see this year. I think front office people, not um, you know, not all front office people, but many front office people, myself included, have spent less time traveling to see players for the draft to see you know first round pick candidates, and um, that may lead to a little bit of a different dynamic at the top. You know, maybe less of a front office influence because we've seen fewer guys.
1: Interesting. Well, um, it's always a fun time of year, and best of luck with that. Farhan Zaidi, thank you so much for joining us here on Giant Splash. We'll make sure to get you on again later in the season to, to talk about some of those draft picks and, and also maybe how, how you're looking at uh, contract stuff at that point. Thanks again for joining us. <laughs> thanks a lot, Susan. Our thanks again to Farhan Zaidi for joining us on Giant Splash. Our producers today were King Kaufman and G. Allen Johnson. And our music, Batter Up, was written and performed by Lauren Gold and Ray Eastless. We will be back again with more Giant Splash next week. Thanks for listening.